This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4 ESPN Tucson. Hour number three of Spears and Ali presented by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Uh, we will be talking with Arizona baseball head coach Chip Hale coming up at 525. Talk to him about the Wildcats' big-time win over number 2 Tennessee last Friday up there in Phoenix at the MLB Desert Invitational. And then uh, we'll also uh, discuss the upcoming home opener against the West Virginia Mountaineers at High Corbett Field starting this Friday. So Arizona baseball back home. They will have their home opener for year two of the Chip Hale era, and uh, we'll be talking to him at 525, and then uh, we'll also be talking some Arizona Wildcats basketball uh, all throughout this hour as well. But uh, to start off hour number three, let's go ahead and give away our next prize. So we gave away a pair of tickets to the Tucson Beer Crawl presented by Tucson Foodie. Well, how about let's do a gift certificate it is a $50 gift certificate for The Landing. It's a restaurant uh, located in Oro Valley, and it's a $50 gift certificate. And if you're caller number one at 719-1490, 719-1490, then you will get this gift certificate. So call right now and secure this gift certificate. 50 bucks. all you got to do is just call in. But the, the cool thing about The Landing is that it's a casual vibe, but they have legitimate food, right? So you can uh, show up in flip-flops or Crocs like me, and uh, you can... I okay, you waited until Ali took off to, to admit you have Crocs. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, you can wear Crocs or flops, <laughs> and you can feast on fresh seafood, tasty burger, and awesome salad, and you can pair that with a great local beer or a fancy cocktail. So come for the food, stay for the fun, come for the fun or stay for the food. Whatever, just do you and stay casual. <laughs> so, yeah, call in, get that gift certificate today, $50 for the landing. I'm interested in that place. You can dress casual and enjoy some great seafood. Sounds like my kind of vibe. <laughs> and you, know, you won't so. even get yelled at like normal. Exactly. <laughs> Don't have a you know a very successful lawyer sitting next to me like, dude, really? Crocs? Really? Yes, Ali. It's raining today, okay? I don't want to get my Jordans Are you wet. you wearing Crocs right now? I am. I am. <laughs> yeah, you see, you were joking, but I'm actually being serious. Dude, I, I did... Ali was in the same room as your Crocs, and he had no, no. idea. And we'll, we're going to keep it that way. Wow. So I'm going to text him right now. Yeah. Ali uh, it, it always shakes his head whenever I show up in the Crocs. Uh, but, you know, it's raining. I didn't want to get my Jordans wet. Didn't want to get my other shoes, you know, wet. So I was like, ah, you know what? It's a croc kind of day. So I'm going to put on these crocs. And the, the weather today, man, it was pretty nasty. It was gusty. Just, it was rainy. It was... Uh, like Bay Area weather. It, no no kidding. Seriously. Um, but, you know, like every Tucsonan, whenever it rains, I always say, we needed this. <laughs> we really did need this. Uh, but, you know, I, I hope that it rains, but only rains at appropriate times. Not like when the Tucson Rodeo is going on. Uh, so Tucson Rodeo just recently kicked off, and the uh, the Rodeo Parade is going down tomorrow, starting at 9 a.m. 
If you want to go to the Tucson Rodeo Parade, make sure you go to ESPNTucson.com and get all the details. Uh, the parade kicks off at Ajo and Park, and they ha- uh, they have bathrooms, they have grandstand seat availability. Of course, there's parking, so you know if you have any issues, uh, you know trying to you know get down there, or, or if you have any thought that man, I, I don't know where I'm going to park for this rodeo parade then don't worry. Go to ESPNTucson.com and figure out where you can park and all that. Yeah, definitely check out the the parade route because I heard it's actually very different this year because they're not crossing any train tracks. Oh, good. Yeah, so get over there and figure out where you got to be at 5 a.m. to see the parade at 9 a.m. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I, I love the Tucson Rodeo Parade. Uh, it's an unbelievable deal. I mean, I just, I just love going out and seeing all the Grand Marshals. And that's the thing is the, the Tucson Rodeo Parade – um, has a, a very impressive list of all the Grand Marshals. Uh, Adia Barnes, the Arizona women's basketball head coach, was uh, recently uh, a Grand Marshal, and you know she will be the first one to admit I have a lot of people go up to me not because of what I do as a basketball coach, but because they saw me in the Tucson Rodeo Parade. So it's a big deal. Go out to the Tucson Rodeo Parade tomorrow, starting at 9 a.m. All right, before we get Chip Hale on at 5:25 here. Um, Let's talk some Arizona Wildcats basketball. So I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the all-time game between the Arizona Wildcats and the ASU Sun Devils. So if you were to take five players from each program all-time and you were to create this mega game, right, five Arizona Wildcats versus five ASU Sun Devils, and you're able to play 40 minutes of basketball – uh, maybe with a little bit more timeouts because, you know, they need their rest, right? You can't have them just playing 40 straight minutes of ball because it would be sloppy down the stretch. But, you know, these great players that have come from Arizona and some pretty solid players to come from ASU. Obviously, more have come from the University of Arizona than ASU in recent years. But ASU has still produced some notable players. So Arizona versus ASU, the all-time game. If you want to weigh in on this, 719-1490 is the phone number, 719-1490. So think about the epic Arizona showdown. Arizona versus ASU, who do you got? Uh, with Arizona, this is my team personally. Um, I would go with an all-Stoudemire backcourt. Uh, Salim Stoudemire and Damon Stoudemire I would, of course, have Damon Stoudemire running the point. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's put up 40 points at one point in his Arizona career, uh, was the Pac-12 Player of the Year, was uh, just an absolute stud at the University of Arizona. If you want my honest opinion, you know, when people ask me, who is the greatest point guard of all time at the University of Arizona? I always start with Damon Stoudemire. Uh, Not only was he a great facilitator, not only did he have a great feel for the game and got everyone involved, but... He was a, a really crafty scorer when he wanted to. So Damon Stoudemire, to me, will always be the GOAT point guard at the University of Arizona. And Salim Stoudemire, I know some people would like to put him really in the same category as as a point guard. To me, I never really considered Salim to be a point guard. Yes, he did bring up the ball a lot, and yes, he did have a, a point guard-esque role. But when you think of Salim Stoudemire, you don't think, man facilitator you think wow what a three-point shot uh the dude was an absolute bucket and salim stoudemire to me one of the best 
shooters, not only in Arizona history, but in Pac-12 history. So I'm putting Salim Stoudemire and Damon Stoudemire in the same backcourt. And with that being said, you have this Stoudemire, Stoudemire backcourt. You need a, a guy that can stir the drink. You need a guy that can do just a little bit of everything. A guy who could guard the team's best player, but who could also put up 35 points and break Lou Alcindor's Pac-10 scoring record, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I'm going to put Sean Elliott as my starting small forward. Tucson's very own, the Choya Chargers legend, who went on and had a great career in the NBA, but in his time at the University of Arizona, Sean Elliott broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's Pac-10 scoring record. And, you know, that day, you know, uh, Sean Elliott needed over 30 points to do it. And maybe, you know, some people could call in and maybe attest to this, but people were confident in Sean Elliott getting that record, but he he needed a lot of things right to get done in order for him to, to get that record. And going into that game against UCLA, putting up that amount of points and setting the record against the Bruins, and oh, by the way, it was an absolute route of UCLA. As a matter of fact, I still think, or I think that's still the highest margin of victory for Arizona over UCLA. Uh, so just the whole day in itself, uh, you know, setting that record was awesome for, for Sean Elliott. But, you know, Sean Elliott... Being the Tucson guy, committing to Lute Olson, the, the new guy from the University of Iowa, and becoming that, that big recruit that can start it all. Now, Sean, it wasn't just Sean Elliott. He had Steve Kerr and, and Judd Bushler and, and Anthony Cook and you know so, so many other players, Tom Tolbert as well. There were so many great players that played for Arizona during that era. But Sean Elliott was the, the one that really – started it all and Lute Olson you know when I spoke to him during his statue ceremony a, a few years ago you know I I asked him you know who's the greatest player you've ever coached and I thought you know Lute Olson was going to give me kind of the the PR answer like oh I've coached so many great players it's really hard to choose one uh, he didn't hesitate he said the greatest player I've ever coached was Sean Elliott so uh, I could not exclude Sean Elliott. He's the greatest basketball player in Arizona history. And to me, he's going to get into that starting lineup. So now we've got the really the perimeter guys. We've got Damon Stoudemire, Salim Stoudemire, Sean Elliott. What about the front court? Who? What kind of bigs are you putting in there? So I'm going to go with my starting power forward. And yes, even though he's playing center in the NBA, he did play power forward at the University of Arizona and was still very dominant. Not only was he Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12 Tournament MVP, uh, he was also a winner of the Carl Malone Award, which is given to the nation's top power forward, and that is Mr. DeAndre Aiden, who is the only player in Arizona history to go number one overall in the NBA draft. But uh, DeAndre Aiden, you look at that one year that he had at Arizona, and we're talking about an absolute machine. Uh, you go back and you look at the highlights in that game against Oregon when the whole bombshell story by ESPN dropped by Mark Schlebach, where Mark Schlebach said Sean Elliott is uh, alleged to be discussing a 
$100,000 payment to DeAndre Ayton um, with Christian Dawkins. That was the story written by Mark Schlabach. That was a report. Sean, uh, Sean Miller didn't coach against Oregon. Lorenzo Romar, the assistant coach who used to be the head coach at Washington, he had to be the interim head coach. But that game against Oregon, that was probably the best version of DeAndre Ayton without the the Pac-12 tournament. What he did against the USC and UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament, it was unreal. But that game against Oregon, the fast break dunk that he had, the way he just engaged beast mode, uh, that right there is one of the most dominant games we will see uh, by an Arizona player. Just the fierceness that he played. Uh, unfortunately, we don't really see that version of DeAndre Ayton in the NBA anymore, but the the one year that he had at Arizona, absolute dominant force, and I'm going to put him in that lineup. And he also did pretty solid against ASU. Remember, ASU, when they played against Arizona in that 2017-18 season when they played at McHale Center, ASU got up to number three in the AP Top 25 because they had a big road win over Kansas. They were uh, putting together an impressive season. And then they were feeling all good about themselves. And they were pounding their chest saying, oh, we're guard you. We're guard you. And Arizona's like, really? I mean, we've produced a lot more guards than you have. But, hey, go ahead. You can have this guard you moniker. We'll, we'll give you that. You guys can have guard you, but do you have, do you have anybody that can stop DeAndre Ayton? Because uh, DeAndre Ayton's absolutely giving it to you right now. And that game against ASU in Tucson, um, also in Tempe as well, DeAndre Ayton simply could not be stopped. And speaking of being unstoppable against the ASU Sun Devils, in the all-time Arizona versus ASU game, I had to put the guy who dominated ASU, and we've had him on the show recently, Bob Elliott. Bob Elliott will go down as one of the most underrated bigs in Arizona history. And I know that he played under Fred Snowden, and maybe that's why he doesn't get uh, enough love or as much love as he should because he wasn't a Lute Olsen guy. But Bob Elliott under Fred Snowden, being teammates with Al Fleming, those two together were so dominant. But against ASU, Bob Elliott put up a stat line we may never, ever see by a player wearing an Arizona uniform. Because against ASU, Bob Elliott put up 38 points and 25 rebounds. Again, 38 points and 25 rebounds. We will never see anything quite like it ever again. So I'm putting Bob Elliott in that starting lineup. And uh, it's super cool because, you know, you look at the my lineup and you have a blend of the previous generations. We have one guy from the Fred Snowden era. We got one guy from the Sean Miller era. And then, you know, three guys from the Lute Olsen era. I think that's a a good blend of guys uh, from throughout Arizona basketball history. And it's a pretty good lineup, if you ask me. Versatility. DeAndre Ayton, versatile big man. Bob Elliott has a motor, unlike anybody else. Uh, 38 points, 25 rebounds. I like Arizona's front court in that game as well. Uh, but looking over to ASU's lineup, it's not going to be as impressive as the Arizona Wildcats. wasn't expecting it to be. Uh, you got James Harden. Ooh. who's the best player in program history. And, you know, let's be real here. James Harden, he gave Arizona fits. He never lost to Arizona one time during his college career. So I know Arizona has had the better end of ASU in this rivalry, but James Harden never lost to Arizona. Um, and then I'm also going to throw in Byron Scott, the 
member of Showtime Lakers, longtime NBA coach, uh, Byron Scott as the shooting guard. I'll put him in, in there as well. And then uh, I'm going with an all-guard lineup here. Uh, not not in the front court uh, in terms of, like, the three guys. You know, Sean Elliott can play um, pr- pretty much everything, but Fat Lever was mostly a shooting guard slash point guard. But James Harden, Byron Scott, Fat Lever, Tucson's very own. I'm putting that as Arizona's uh, perimeter. And then for the bigs, I'm going with Alton Lister, who to me is the best front court player to ever play um, at ASU. And then I'm going to go with Jeff Pendergraff who now goes by Jeff Ayers. Uh, it was really hard to leave off Ike Diagu. It really was. But I'm going to put Byron Scott and Fat Lever in there. You know what I have to say about this ASU team? What? Oh, man. Hey, 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 Now, who wins this game? Damon Stoudemire, Salim Stoudemire, Sean Elliott, DeAndre Ayton, Bob Elliott versus James Harden, Byron Scott, Fat Lever, Alton Lister, and Jeff Pendergraff. I got the Wildcats by at least 15 points. So if uh, you want to let us know what your all-time Arizona versus ASU lineup is, uh, you could do so by calling in at uh, 540. But coming up next, we're going to talk to Chip Hale, Arizona baseball head coach, who joins us to talk about the Wildcats' upcoming home opener against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Stay tuned. Hypothetically suck on that, ASU. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. The Arizona baseball team has their home opener this Friday at 6 p.m. at High Corbett Field. And uh, they're coming off their impressive weekend at the MLB Desert Invitational. Here to talk about all of that is head coach of the Wildcats, Mr. Chip Hale, who joins us here on ESPN Radio. Coach, how's it going? Thank you for your time. Uh, no problem. Glad to be, be on with you guys. And, uh, yeah, everything's fine. We're, uh, you know, as you said, it was a good weekend for us. We'd like to go on 4-0, but 3-1, and we'll take it and, and yeah. move on to this weekend against West Virginia. And, you know, the, the one that started off the 3-1 and weekend for you was a win over number 2 Tennessee. You know, it's you have Tennessee on the other side. I can imagine that your guys were just very eager to get on the field and play against this team. But, you know, to beat a team like Tennessee to start off the season, what kind of what kind of tone does that set for your for your ball club moving forward? Well, it was fantastic. I mean, obviously they they were, they were rated number 2, which as we know, you know, preseason polls are tough. They did lose a lot of players, um, but they do have the best pitching staff in the country. Um you know, they were, I think three guys almost to 100 miles per hour. So we faced the um, their best one that they feel is going to be the highest draft pick. And we came out and we battled and we beat them. Um, it was fantastic. It was just the problem of winning that game at night and then having to turn around and, and uh, we dropped one to Fresno the next day. So it was the high highest of highs and then a real low the next day. So we learned some about ourselves. Absolutely. But in that game against Tennessee, you know, on, on the other side, you had uh, Chase Dollander, who is, the, you know, this this genera- generational prospect that we've all heard about this offseason. But then, you know, for your team, you have T.J. Nichols, uh, who had an impressive season last year, but, you know, came in, pitched six innings, only gave up three hits, and is named Pac-12 Player of the Week. You've seen the progress that he's made in the offseason. What's different about T.J. Nichols this year as opposed to last? 
Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for him, and it was a great performance. And, um, you know, obviously when you're facing a guy like Dollander and he's getting all the um, the recognition, and TJ, you know, has a lot of scouts looking at him too. He's draft eligible, and he's up in the upper 90s also. So he's he's a guy that's going to be picked pretty high in the draft. But, yeah, he he the thing he's done different this spring than he did all last year for us is he's throwing a lot more strikes. And that's super important for him because if you do throw that hard and you get ahead of hitters, uh, it just makes it so much harder on them. And when you get behind, like he did quite often last year, the hitters were able to sit on his fastball and he would got it up and, and they were able to hit it pretty well. So, yes, the other day he uh, he got ahead. He used his slider, used his changeup very well. And uh, guys played great defense behind him also. Nick McClary had numerous good plays. Um, Tony Bullard, uh, Kiko Romero over at first. It was a, it was a really just a very, uh, very good team win for us. And Kiko Romero is a, a Tucson native. Went over to, I believe, Central Arizona and then comes back here. And obviously he's making a strong impression. Uh, what can you tell us just about his development and why do you think he ended up at a place like Central Arizona as opposed to maybe with your team? Yeah, I, I just feel like some kids when they leave high school, you know, academically or they just feel like maybe they want to try, you know, to get drafted another couple of times because in junior college you get drafted every year where if you come here, um, it's going to be a three-year commitment. So, yeah. you know, he had those situations. He was able to um, – you know, the academics were good for us. We got him, um, got him here this year, and we're just completely, you know, we're so happy to have him. It's a completely different team with him at first base. And he's a left-handed hitter. He was the, the MVP of the Junior College World Series last year for Central, who won the whole championship. So, uh, obviously, it's a huge gift for us. And not only uh, Kiko being a Tucson native, making an impact for your team, but you also have Mason White, who is a, a true freshman. You put him out there at DH this week. Uh, what do you like just about what he brings to your team? Yeah, well, Mason uh, obviously started that night, uh, Friday night as a DH, but then he played second, day two. Uh, he ended up playing third on our fourth game against UC San Diego because uh, Tony Bullard could only DH. So he moved around a little bit. That's what we love is versatility. And he just he put himself out there. All fall and early spring, um, he made he he made us put him in the lineup. Basically, he just he hit his way in there, and uh, we feel like he's going to be a very good Wildcat for uh, many years. So eventually, he may have to pin down a position. Do you feel that way? And and wh- where do you see him ultimately landing when he's you know trying to get ready for the big leagues? Yeah, I think after this year, you know, we lose Nick McClary, we knew, we lose uh, Tony Bullard. They're out of. Um, they're out of eligibility, and then Garen Caulfield, if he has a really good year second, he might he might be drafted too. So uh, he's gonna he'll end up somewhere in the infield. Uh, I think he his future probably is at shortstop. If not shortstop, probably second base. So um, like I said, he's gonna be a great Wildcat, and he's gonna put up a lot of numbers for us. Chip Hill, Arizona baseball head coach, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Uh, so, Coach, when we were talking with uh, some of the guys during media day, I believe it was Chase Davis who said that this team really bonds over the Last Dance documentary with the, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, are you familiar with their admiration for the Last Dance, and, and just what do you think about that? Well, I, I didn't know that, but it's obviously I love the, uh, the documentary, and, and obviously those are the, the great some of the great teams in the NBA, and so... This is just a really good group, and they, they bonded great in the weight room all, all fall. And 
I could tell there was something different about him when, when the um, competitions were going on with the different weightlifting things and the tug of wars. Uh, the young guys were felt felt good about being there. The older guys really welcomed him in. So I think obviously you know we're three and one and uh, we got to keep those guys involved. It's hard you know when you're a freshman you've played your whole life every day you're the star and now all of a sudden you kind of have to sit behind some of these older players and find find out how good a teammates they are. So yeah. we're working on that and and the older guys have been so good with them that uh, so far so good. And I'm wondering, uh, Chip, with the the new rules that's going on in Major League Baseball with the the larger bases and all the technology that's being added, do you see this as maybe possibly trickling trickling down to the college level? Oh yeah, eventually it will. I mean, I don't know. The, the bases, obviously, that's a whole. And we used them this weekend at um, Salt River and at Sloan, the Cubs spring training complex too. We use those bigger bases. It was it wasn't. I don't think anybody really noticed it, other than. You know, we we ran them early to just get used to it, but they were fine, and eventually they'll be in, in our game, and uh, probably the shift rule will eventually make its way down here. And uh, the time, you know, we're sort of giving them our 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 rules with the the clock. You know, they have yeah. they're going to have a clock situation this year in the big league, so <laughs> mm. uh, we're we're, we're uh, switching back and forth with them. So I'm curious to hear from you, and I, I asked you this, uh, you know, during media day, but you know, I, I'm. I'm wondering, you know, for you, you know, you spent so much time, you know, coaching in the big leagues, and now you're coaching your alma mater. Uh, just what's it been like for you over the last year or so, and what can you just tell us just about all of the the, the weird rules and things that you have to do as a college baseball head coach? <laughs> yeah, and it's been fantastic. Now we 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 our family we've loved every second of it. It's great to go home and sleep in your own bed here in Tucson, um, and 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 to be able to coach at your alma mater is a, is a dream come true i mean it's, it's been fantastic and the better part of it is we work with a, in a great department with dave Heaton and all other coaches and, and and you know throughout it's been it's been great for us um the rules yeah the, there's a lot of stuff with recruiting and you just got to make sure you're, you're it, basically it's common sense just do the right thing and so it's not not as as bad or hard as people think you just i mean obviously um, you know, we're we're in the midst of recruiting guys all the way from eighth grade through junior college, you know, and then in the portal. So there's a lot of work for these coaches, and um, we only have right now um, two full-time co- or three full-time coaches other than myself, and only three of us can go out and recruit. So hopefully we'll get another one soon, and that'll help. But that's probably the biggest difference. You just have so many more people um, getting after it at the pro level. Absolutely. All right, coach. Before we let you go, uh, I know that you know the season's already getting started, but man, you got some home cooking coming up this week. You're taking on West Virginia on Friday at 6 p.m. at High Corbett, and then the games on Saturday uh, and Sunday. They're in the afternoon. The game on Saturday is at three o'clock, and then you got a a 1 p.m. game on Sunday. How excited are you to get back to High Corbett? No, we're super excited. We talked to the players today, and it'll be nice to get back to our own field and what we know and our our fences and. And just our routine, you know, um, we're, not, we're, we're, we're opening up our new clubhouse um, this week, too. So the guys are excited to move from the visiting side over to our side. Uh, we've been in there all fall, and the construction just finished. So it's pretty cool for them in that situation. And West Virginia's a really good opponent. You know, they're a Big 12 team, and uh, they just beat Maryland uh, last night. And Maryland's number 14 in the country. So uh, these are going to be great games for us. So I asked the players this. i got to ask you. Do you have any like pregame rituals or things that you absolutely have to do? 
Uh, not anymore. <laughs> I used to. And when I was younger, um, and as we go on, I'm sure I'll develop a few as a year goes on. Maybe the same socks or something like that. But um, right now, I'm right now I'm pretty good. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, your baseball team is certainly off to a tremendous start. The, the Wildcats are three and one going into their home opener against the West Virginia Mountaineers. First pitch at High Corbett Field on Friday is set for 6 p.m. Coach, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you, and best of luck this weekend at High Corbett. Thank you guys so much for having me. Take care. All right, don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. Spears and Ali coming at you here on ESPN Tucson. It is time for last call. If you want to call into the show one last time, 719-1490-719-1490 is the studio line. Uh, let's go to the phone lines right now. Gabriel calling in from California. Uh, Gabriel, thank you for being patient with us. Uh, let us hear what's on your mind. What do you got for us? No problem, Ginger. Seth and the Persian Godfather. Um, so the topic I wanted to discuss was what's going on in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and it really doesn't look good at the University of Alabama because you got one player who are is currently on the staff and he's kinda he's basically supplied the weapon to Yeah. About the murder and then I'm definitely glad that it's not not happening to Arizona because you know the full letter network were Definitely love to drive Arizona's name in the mud. No doubt. You know, Gabriel, thank you for calling in. And thank you for being patient, by the way. Uh, you were waiting on the line for a long time, and I appreciate your patience. I appreciate your loyalty and your support. Uh, by no means, like, do, does that go unnoticed? Gabriel, you're the man. We appreciate your support as always. But, yeah, you know, you bring up a good point, Gabriel. Uh, you know, if this happened at Arizona – Oh boy, man! It, people would be absolutely dragging this program, and you know we we heard uh, that ESPN or that when that ESPN bombshell story came out with Mark Schlebach reporting that Sean Miller allegedly discussed on wiretap a one hundred thousand dollar payment to DeAndre Aiden. People on College Game Day, on all of these talk shows. We're talking about Sean Miller will never coach in college basketball ever again. This is career ending, career ending. And they were just dragging Sean Miller, dragging Arizona all throughout the mud. And yet here we are, and Alabama has a player that's charged with capital murder. And then you have another player who delivered the weapon. And for some reason, I don't really sense the same outrage as as guys like me and you know some other pundits um and i'm not saying that this is you know espn should be shouting out the mountaintops you know this this story but i mean it is a story really unlike any other that we've seen in college basketball recently you you got one player charged with murder and then his teammate supplied the weapon and oh by the way the guy who supplied the weapon and i'm not saying that uh you know brandon miller was like hey here, man, you need to shoot somebody here, take this gun. That's not what I'm saying because Darius Miles texted Brandon Miller saying, hey, uh, I, I left my gun in your car. Do you think you, I can 
retrieve it, and uh, Brandon Miller came and delivered the gun. It's, and my thing is, is why didn't Brandon Miller ask him why are why do you absolutely need this gun right now? Why can't you just pick it up at a later time? Why can't why why do you absolutely need it right now? And Brandon Miller never questioned why Darius Miles needed the gun. Why it was why it was left at a certain place and he needed it back from Brandon Miller. Now the the argument that is being made for Brandon Miller is that he didn't touch the gun. So he didn't actually go over and hand deliver it to him. He brought it into his car, texted the texted Darius Miles and said, "Hey, it's it's around. It's in location." And then when the the shooting happened, Brandon Miller was still around. And apparently he barricaded the car from leaving and it looked like he was like preventing the car from going anywhere like he wanted that car to get shot at almost. Um, but the lawyers, people involved in it are saying Brandon Miller was just a guy that was just around. Nate Oates has said that, said multiple times, you know, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but to me, even though that he may not have known that this was going to happen, that this murder was going to take place, uh, maybe he didn't know that his teammate was going to do something like that, but yet he is still somewhat involved. And it really saddens me because if this guy, if Brandon Miller, like let, let's just say for the University of Arizona's sake, if this guy was Jordan Maines or Will Manaw or um, Luke Kristoviak, I mean, heck, Adama Ball, he would be removed from the team. But, you know, if this was Azulus Tubelis being involved in it and, you know, and he's... Uh, not removed, then it looks weird because of, it's the star player. And it's the same case here at the University of Alabama. Because Brandon Miller is this star basketball player, he is the best player on arguably the best team in the country, they're not going to remove him. Nate Oates is like, oh, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Brandon Miller, he, he is not involved in any shape or form. And yes, while he may not be criminally charged, he still needs to understand that there is a code of conduct when you're at the University of Alabama. And when you delivered a gun that was used in the murder, yes, you may not have been charged, but you still need to face some sort of repercussion. And that's why I think Brandon Miller should be removed from the team indefinitely. He should not be stepping on the court tonight when they play South Carolina. And that's the thing is Alabama's back in action tonight. They're playing against South Carolina in like one hour. And this guy is going to continue to play basketball. The family of a killed 23-year-old woman, they never get to see their daughter, their sister, their loved one ever again. But they get to turn on ESPN or whatever channel Alabama's playing on tonight. And they get to see the guy that delivered the gun, used the murder, continue to play basketball. To me, that's just so tasteless by Nate Oates and the University of Alabama. They've done a really good job of covering it up all this time over the last couple of weeks. But now that the facts continue to surface, it doesn't look good for Alabama. And I think Brandon Miller should be removed. I'm not saying he should be criminally charged. Let the facts continue to come out. But he should never play another game for Alabama this season. 
All right, we'll talk more about that during tomorrow's Spears and Ali.